words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. I want to talk about one of my favorite subjects this morning. Uh, it's become a favorite subject in this season, and I feel like it's something that the Lord is trumpeting across the body of Christ. And as I'm looking over this sea of young people, young young to me anyway, young people, I'm understanding why he changed the message. I started living in the fullness of my purpose and destiny. You know, there's preparation cycles, but I started living in the fullness of my purpose and destiny at age 40. And one of the things that I love to say is if I can help people get there before then, like if I had started at 20, by the time I'm 60, I would take over the whole continent of Africa. Right now, I'm just trying to multiply myself and people so that they can because I started when I was 40. But if you guys can start in your 20s and your 30s, living your prophetic destiny, living out your heavenly identity, living for the reason that God put you on planet Earth, you'll have a head start especially. So I have to start this with a confession. The first time I, I, I preached a little inkling of this message, it was actually, we were at uh, Pastor Yudi's house and Andy had just finished playing and God did the same thing. I went to the bathroom, he said, speak this instead. And so I shared this message and, and I, I sent just, it was just 20 minutes, I sent it to a bunch of people and they were like, wow, that really changed my life. And so it feels like every time I stand up, God is telling me to speak this, but since then I've made some progress. So the confessions I'm about to make aren't as bad as they were when he originally started speaking this to me. So I was having these dreams. I have prophetic dreams all the time. And I was having these dreams and they were recurrent. And when I got to the last one, I was like, all right, what are you trying to say? So in the first couple of dreams, I was missing buses. I was missing planes. And in my prophetic world, buses and planes are ministry, exactly, purpose and destiny. And so the reason that I was missing them is what was most frustrating though. There was one I was about, I was about to get on a bus and I'm packing my suitcase and I could not stop, here's a magic word that I want you to hear, piddling. Piddling means dilly-dallying, doing nothing, doing much of nothing, and, and really occupying yourself with doing much of nothing. So I'm trying to pack this bag, and it's like the bag is packed, I'm ready to go, and then I just keep piddling. I just keep walking around the room doing this. There was another dream where I was coming on a plane. I was coming from Atlanta, my home, my old home, to Africa, my new home, and we had to stop for transit in Atlanta, and there were three other people with me. So the first two dreams, I missed a plane, I missed a bus, piddling. Say it with me. Yes. This dream, I had three people with me that were coming to Africa to do ministry with me. We had a layover in Atlanta, and I said, let me go to mom's house really quick. Let me just go and, and pack some things. And I went, and I got to the basement, and I'm just piddling, 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 piddling. And I was so distressed, I could not seem to stop. And no matter what, I just, there was always something else to put my hands on, something else to do. And we all missed the plane. And not only did I miss my date with destiny, but I made them miss their date with destiny. So I had another dream after that about piddling. I missed another, it was a cruise ship this time, which again, it's destiny, purpose, the place that I'm supposed to be. The final dream that finally got my attention, as if those weren't enough, the final dream, I'm in this church program and all of a sudden Oprah takes the stage and I'm like, 
is that Oprah? And she sees my mouth and she goes, yes, it's me, girl. And then she comes over to me and she's talking to me personally. And next thing I know, I'm driving Oprah to her next destination. Now, let me put a pin there for a second. I have a prophetic word. I process my prophetic words. I partner with my prophetic words. I war and fight the good fight of faith with my prophetic words. And that accelerates them coming to pass. And so I have many of them memorized. I can recite them in my head. How many of you partner and fight with your prophetic words or how many of you just get them and you leave them in your phone and you remember them oh that was a nice word I got a long time ago is not going to come to pass unless you partner with it okay so I have these words you are the Oprah of Africa and just like Oprah has all these resources and whenever she shows up she's bringing this sense of hope and that everything is going to be all right that's who you're going to be in Africa this woman full of resources that just makes people dreams come true and when they see you they know everything's going to be all right and then I have this other word you're going to be the Oprah of Africa with talk shows, hosting your own shows, doing your own movies. You're going to bring all these young people into their purpose and destiny. I have so many words about bringing young people into their purpose and destiny and the arts and media. And then you're going to be a social media mogul that a lot of your books and a lot of your internet stuff is going to go into people's homes all over the continent of Africa before you even get there. That book that I just gave to her took me four years to write. It was just sitting in my computer. I wasn't finishing it. I don't know why. I hate social media. God bless all you millennials and Gen Zers. I hate it. Like, you know, you got to stop and take a picture. Then you got to think of a caption for the picture. Then you got to post it. And then you come back to see how many likes. It's just foolishness to me because of my age. I'm over 50. And when you're over 50, these things don't matter. And so when God gives you a word and says social media is going to be a big part of what you're going to do, it's just you just roll your eyes like, ooh. So all this media, media, writing books, teaching classes, I have this word that I'm going to make millions doing my master classes and all of these things, and I'm not doing them. Now, I'm a very, as you can tell by how fast I'm talking, I'm a very type A personality. I live checking the boxes on the to-do list. Like, ah, oh, that just gives me, how many of you are that type A? When you check off the box, you're like, yes. So it's not like I'm a lazy person. I'm not a procrastinator. I'm very purpose-driven. When God gives me something to do, I go after it with all my heart and I get it done. But on these things, I was stuck. And so Oprah finally shows up in my dream, like, get it together, girl. You, you piddling. And so in this dream, we're driving along. I love the prophetic. I love to teach the prophetic, impart prophetic. I love to give people prophetic words. And so I felt the Lord say in the dream, the Lord was speaking to me in the dream. I felt the Lord say, you're going to give Oprah a prophetic word and it's going to change her life. And it's going to change everything about her. And it's going to catapult her into a new realm of destiny that I have ordained for Oprah. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to prophesy to Oprah. So we get to where we're going. I'm sitting in the driveway. And I get out. And I'm like, let me just grab something from the trunk. And I open the trunk. And I start piddling. I don't know what I was doing in the trunk. But I'm just moving stuff and moving stuff and moving stuff and moving stuff. And I'm thinking about the prophetic word and the, I get the download of the prophetic word, but I can't get myself out of the trunk. And finally, I'm like, all right, I'm going to give this word to Oprah. I come back around and Oprah is gone. And I woke up like, Lord, all right, let's talk because I'm not about to miss my destiny. I'm not about to miss any more planes, any more ships. Any more things that you've commanded me to do? Any of the prophetic words? I feel like I'm partnering with you. I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be. But all these piddling dreams make me know I'm not. 
And he's like, I told you to get a studio in your house. I told you to get a camera. Your podcasting uh, uh, box, this huge podcasting gift, somebody gave me as a prophetic gift, because I have this word, write the books, record the videos, do the podcast, get the word out in every format. It's sitting in a box, in a drawer, in my house, I don't even know how to work it. Like some tech person is gonna have to come to the house and show me how to work it. And he's like, you're not partnering with the scary words. That's coming up in the message later. And so I wanna say to each of you this morning, stop piddling. Do not miss your prophetic destiny. Do not miss the destination that God has for you. There's a reason that he put you on planet Earth. There are things that you're supposed to do. And if you're not living the life that God ordained for you to live, you are not living. You're just existing. You're just taking up space, spending money, eating I was about to call out some Cameroonian foods. I did my first seven years in a small town in Cameroon. So I was about to say Fufu and Eru, but it's actually Afang and Eba. Eh? You're just eating. With some periwinkles inside, that's all you're doing is just eating. If you're not living the reason God put you on planet Earth to live, I don't want to sound harsh, but you are wasting your existence. And I just speak into the depths of your spirits right now. I speak to you and I declare that you're being filled with a hunger, that you're being filled with an overwhelming sense of I must live the reason that I was born. I declare that it will begin to fill you up on the inside, that God will begin to speak to you and make it plain to you why you are here and that you will not rest until you begin to pursue it with all your heart. I like to impart a lot while I'm speaking. I don't want it to just be words. I want you to walk away from here with something. If you wake up tomorrow morning at three o'clock, like, that's my fault. I'll take it. I'll take the blame for it. Stop piddling. Life is supposed to be about what Jesus said. We're going to get to the scripture in a moment. But Jesus said, and this just reverberates in my ears all the time, for this cause I was born. How many of us can say that? The first point, there's seven points. I'm not going to make it through it all. We're just going to stop where we stop. The first point is commit yourself completely to God. Some of us, we are saved. Jesus is our savior, but our life still belongs to us. We are not what I call a laid down lover. How many of you can, and don't raise your hands, we just gonna think about this one on the inside, okay? How many of you can say, my life completely belongs to God. Whatever he tells me to do, I will do. How many of you can actually say that? That I have no agenda of my own. My agenda is God's agenda. I take directives from him. I only make decisions based on what he says. Matthew 6 and 33 says, so above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Some of us live for the less important things. Our life is focused on what car we drive, what clothes we wear, what house we live in. It's focused on these material things that God himself calls the less important things. What's the most important thing is the kingdom of God being established on earth. 
I get afraid that now there's these buzzwords in the body of Christ about purpose and destiny. Everybody's talking about purpose and destiny. But if your purpose and destiny isn't completely lost and hidden in the kingdom, then it's your own purpose and destiny. We want to live the purpose and destiny he has for us. John 12 and 25 says, the person who loves his life, and I'm in the passion translation, the person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. Matthew 10 and 39. Those who cling to their lives will give up true life, but those who let go of their lives for my sake and surrender it all to me will discover true life. It would take me the rest of the sermon to preach the message of the kingdom, to let you understand why it's so important that we lay down everything, that we seek the kingdom first. Jesus Christ is a king and his destiny is to rule over the whole earth from the rivers to the ends of the earth, from sea to sea, the whole world, the whole earth is supposed to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And we have fallen so far from God's original purpose for planet earth that we don't think about that. We don't think about Jesus as a king held in the heavens until the restoration of all things. And as it says in 2 Peter 3.12, that I need to live my life to hasten the day of his coming. We see a storm, we see a, 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 a tsunami, we see a hurricane, an earthquake, we see destruction and all these things and we're like, ooh, Jesus is coming back soon. No, he's not. The earth is groaning. That's why we're seeing those things. The earth is groaning and waiting for the sons of God to stand up and be the sons of God and establish his kingdom on earth. Jesus cannot come back until the restoration of all things. So if you're looking at things happening on the world scene and saying Jesus is coming, what are you doing to hasten his coming? Are you building his kingdom? Are you extending the boundaries of his kingdom? Are you making his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? Are you living a life that says heaven to earth? And are you willing to give up everything? I'll tell a little bit of my story. It feels like I'm bragging and I don't want it to seem like bragging. I just want it to seem like inspiration if that's okay. So I was a medical doctor. I went to the number one medical school in America at the time. I was on this tra trajectory of being a professor at a major um, teaching hospital in South Carolina. But I had all these prophetic words in my, I don't remember, first, second, third year of medical school. I entered into this prophetic ministry. And back in 1992, I got prophetic words. Now they're like, how old is she actually? They say black don't crack, right? In 1992, I started getting prophetic words where they said, you are going to be this woman of faith in the nations of Africa. And I see you with a magic wand in your hand and you're waving it across the youth of Africa and you're leading them into their purpose and destiny. This was 1992. I started getting all these words about Africa, Africa, Africa. By day, I'm going to medical school. By night, I'm sneaking down the road to this prayer ministry and getting all these prophetic words about this destiny that has nothing to do with the life that I'm chasing. I finished medical school. I start work as a doctor, but I was never happy. Making six figures in the United States of America, living in a doctor house, driving doctor car, making doctor money, taking doctor vacations, depressed. 
beyond belief. Why? Because there was a seed in my soul of a prophetic identity that had nothing to do with the life that I was living. I declare over you, you will not be fully happy or satisfied. Take this one, take this one now with care, you know, count up the cost for you, raise your hands and receive it. Cause I'm about to put some unrest in your soul. I declare over you, if you should receive it, this is the mission, if you would receive it, that you will not be happy. You will not find joy outside of the life that God has ordained for you. There were words, when he formed you in your mother's womb, there was a destiny, there was a plan that he had. When he put you together, every single one of your days were written in his book before there was one of them. Are you living out your life according to the pages of your book? And so I got into medicine. I was doing medicine, practicing medicine, miserable, depressed. And finally, I took off for just this time on the beach. And I, I just went with my journals, my soaking music, all my prophetic words, my Bibles, some really holy, holy books. And I sat on the beach for a week and I just, I was frustrated. I was like, I can't go into work another day. And I said, God, you've made me all these promises about Africa. You've made me all these promises about purpose and destiny, about being this great woman of faith, of leading people. I mean, I just started rehearsing all the words back to God. That's a key for you. If you have prophetic words that are not being manifested, rehearse them back to God, just like Daniel did, just like Nehemiah did. They said, God, you said. We have to learn how to say that. Sometimes we're just languishing along in normal Christian life, bored. And God... We have to give back to him the words that he's given to us. God, you said, you said, clear as day I heard in my spirit. Because I asked him, I said, God, when are you going to make good on these promises? And he said back to me, clear as day, when are you going to do what I told you to? I was like, wait a minute, you waiting on me? I'm waiting on you. He goes, no, I'm waiting on you. And I said, okay, what do I do? He said, quit your job. Now, as depressed as I was, I liked that direct deposit. I like them six figures, no lie, eh? I like them very badly, eh? And so he said it, quit your job. And I said, all right, and then I'm gonna do what? He goes, I'll tell you when you quit. Ah, I don't like this game. I, I don't like it. <laughs> And that's all he said. Quit your job. When you quit, I'll tell you what to do. So I went back. I was on the beach in Jamaica, actually. And I went back home and I did not quit my job. And then I had my birthday and I sat in my prayer room and I did the same thing. God, when are you going to make good on these promises? And he said the same thing. When are you going to do what I told you to? I told you to quit your job. I was like, oh, that was you. I went into work the very next day and put in my resignation. And I had to work another month to fulfill all righteousness. And on the last day of work, I get this email from a young lady who, wrote, who read my first novel. She was in Boya, Cameroon. Somebody had traveled to the US, brought the book back, and it changed hands several times. And the book was called Dance Into Destiny. It was about a depressed young lady who went into a career that her father told her to go into, who wasn't living the dreams that she had for her own life. That was my 
therapy writing that book. And she had read the book and she talked about how many young people in Africa don't get to live their purpose and destiny, how so many of their parents make them become a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, an engineer, the big, the big list, right? These are acceptable careers. And if you do anything else, God forbid that you would say I'm an artist, right? I'm a singer, I'm a, I'm a keyboard player. And so we connected over this email and we started writing back and forth. Next thing I know, I'm waking up at three o'clock in the morning crying out for revival in the nation of Cameroon. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, could not sleep. That's what I'm saying, receive carefully when I'm doing this over you because you might lose some sleep over desiring your prophetic destiny, eh? You might lose some sleep, it'll be worth it. And so it come to, come to find out that they were praying for me to come over and preach at their seventh anniversary of their youth group. This youth group of people that had passed around the book that all wanted to dance into destiny. And so I said, okay, you people stop praying so I can get some sleep and I will book a ticket to come. And the rest is history. A year later, I moved to Boya, Cameroon and started the Bethel Atlanta Africa School of Supernatural Ministry. And... In September, October, they will start their first, 14th year, 13th year of students, their 13th year. We have a thriving school there. And it was, it was a drastic change. You know, that word sacrifice, it really, I was almost crying when you were introducing me because a lot of times I don't think of it as that, but it really is a sacrifice to leave Atlanta, Georgia, to move to Boya, Cameroon with the chickens and the goats and the pigs and the, I love to power walk in the morning and I, I got attacked by a, a geese, a goose once. I mean, there was another time I was walking and I, I was coming up a hill, hands and knees, cause it was rainy season and muddy. And I lifted up my head and there's a pig right in my face. And the only thing I could think of was, do pigs attack people? You know, riding around in a cab with eight people stuffed into a small Toyota Corolla. It was, a, it was a drastic change. And the first few years I suffered, it was difficult, it was challenging. I lived in Cameroon and would go home to America for a month, twice a year. And that was it. I moved my life, sold everything, gave away everything and moved my life. But it has been, I am happier now than I ever was as a doctor. And, and prophetically and through my kids, as I call them, they now call me Mama Africa. And so my earthly identity was Dr. Sherry Lewis, but my heavenly identity is Mama Africa. And you have to find out who are you right now, but who are you in heaven? What is your name in heaven? When Jesus was before Pontius Pilate, they were questioning him and questioning them. And finally, in John 18, 37, Pilate said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. For this cause I came into the earth. For this cause I left glory in heaven at the right hand of the Father and came into earth to be a king to deliver and to save. In Mark 1 and 38, Jesus is telling the disciples, let us go into the next towns that I might preach there also, because for this purpose, I have come forth. I must preach the kingdom to the other cities also, because for this poor purpose, I have been sent. Jesus had an overwhelming sense of his purpose 
of the reason for which he was born, of the reason for which he was sent. And everything that he did flowed out of purpose. That's how your life has to become. That everything that you do flows out of the purpose of God for your life. First, you have to clearly identify for which cause was I born? For what purpose was I sent forth? How many of you, again, we don't have to raise our hands. We can just look on the inside. How many of you can say, I can't believe I'm preaching in shoes this long. It's just, okay, that's enough. I did ever walk an empty photo. I know like me shoe. How many of you can rightfully say, just like Jesus said, for this cause I was born. How many of you know the reason for which you were put on planet earth? Otherwise, your whole life is piddling. It's not just moments of piddling, your whole life. And I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds strong, but it's the truth. If you don't know the reason that you're here, and if you're not living on purpose every single day, then your whole life is an exercise in piddling. You may have an amazing job. You may have amassed great wealth. But if you're not living what Jesus sent you to do, then you're not living. Again, I have more joy and satisfaction. I, I'm making a greater impact I know that when I finally close my eyes on my last day on earth, I will be able to say, God willing, I did everything I came to do. If I don't, it won't be on me. It won't be my fault. It won't be, on my, it won't be my fault. I'm like, Lord, keep me alive all the days that I need to be. There are some places in scripture where God identifies prophetic identity, where he tells Gideon, oh, you valiant man of war. Gideon's like, who? Me? When Saul was anointed king, he was like, what are you talking about? There are these moments where God comes into your life and shocks you by saying, this is who you really are. This is what you're really called to do. This is what you're really born for. And for some of us, the difference between who we are and who he says we are is really huge. I'll tell you that there are levels of prophetic identity. So I, I moved and I established the school, was in Cameroon for seven years, moved to Kenya, established a church in Kenya, and then God said, let's move to Nigeria. This is not ready, can I just say. I, I love y'all. You are some beautiful people, but I was not ready for Nigeria. I was not ready for Nepa. I was not ready for 39 degrees in Abuja. And Nepa says, Bye. I'll be back in three days. I was not ready. I was not ready. I was not ready. But now that I'm here, I can see what God is doing. There's an apostolic call on my life that is being pulled out of me through this nation, through the needs of this nation, through just experiencing. You know, you can't really pray for a nation from afar. It's when you're sitting in the house, baking in a clay oven because there's no lights that you're like, God, fix Nigeria in Jesus' name right? When you're watching the news and you're seeing the fuel subsidy go away and you're seeing all this stuff. I've never seen no traffic in Lagos except for a holiday. I've been zooming around Lagos enjoying it, but then I'm like, no, this is not good. I'm happy there's no traffic, but I'm sad because of the reason. You can't really pray for a country unless you're in it, breathing it, seeing the sufferings of the people. See, exactly. You have to feel, you have to be touched with the feelings of the infirmities. 
And I've never prayed nationally so much. I've prayed for my kids. I've prayed for my ministry. I've prayed for my own life. But this is calling forth in me to birth a nation. As much as, I'm gripping this tightly, as much as Nigeria can just pluck my last nerve, I have developed a love for her and for her people. And I'm getting to that place that I'm laying down my life for the sake of this country arising and becoming everything that she was ordained to be in heaven. I see a beautiful new Nigeria in heaven and I'm committed to calling her down to be manifested on earth. I'm committed to raising up leaders that will birth this new Nigeria, raising up revivalists, showing people who they really are and what they're called to do. So there are levels of understanding. It might be that five years ago, you understood your prophetic identity. And then God is like, okay, we're shifting. We're shifting upwards. And so you have to stay in touch with him. I wanna, I'm not gonna read these. I'm trying to manage my time well. There are different ways that you can discover your prophetic identity. One is just like the book I gave away through intimacy with God sitting in his presence, asking him questions. The most important question you can ask that I hope you will ask after this service is, God, who am I? What is my name in heaven? For which cause was I born? What did you call me here to do? What did you put me on planet earth to do? God, I give you my whole life. Show me what I'm here for. Who am I? It took me 40 years to learn that my name is not Dr. Sherry Lewis. It took me 40 years to learn that my name is Mama Africa. And it's taking me even the more years to begin to really embody that, to have the confidence to, to stand in it fully. I can now truly say, and I've told my mama when I die, do not fly my body back to America. I want to be, and this is horrible, but take one leg and put it in Cameroon, take my arm and put it in Kenya, take a knee and put it in, I just, I am giving my life for this continent to be everything that it's called to be. And it's in the secret place with God. It's in those places of intimacy that he begins to speak to me more and more. This is who you are. This is what you're called to do. This is who I made you to be. This is the way in which you're going to do it. And he's just unfolding and showing more and more and more. And I'm saying yes, because when he shows you, you do have to agree. I, I always say, if I'm sure of what God is telling me, obedience is a given. The only time I don't obey is if I'm like, is this you? Is this not you? Is this me? But once you hear the voice of the Lord clearly, don't waste time. Do not piddle. Be about your father's work. Some of us, and this is a whole, this is the message I was originally supposed to preach. Some of us do not, we fear giving our lives to God and giving our lives to the purposes of God because we don't understand that he's good. We don't understand that he's a good, good father whose banner over us is love. We don't understand that any desire that he could have for us is the thing that's going to make you happiest. We think God wants me to suffer. Oh God, if I give my life to Christ, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be broke. I'm going to be all these things. It's going to cost me everything. It is going to cost you everything, but it is going to bring you more joy than you could imagine. 
I have discovered facets of myself and parts of myself that I never knew. There are times that I finish ministering that I literally, God forbid I minister at night. I'm supposed to meet with the leaders at night and I'm supposed to fly in the morning out early and I'll be up the whole night just vibrating, happy, excited. If I get a chance to prophesy to all the leaders, lay hands on them, birth them into destiny, oh my gosh. Nothing excites me more than my prophetic identity. He loves you. He's a good father. He's going to call you to do something that you're going to love. It is going to make you happy. He doesn't want to pluck you up out of joy and place you in suffering. He wants to put you in the joyful place that you don't even know is going to bring you joy. I never knew that I would love this so much. I never knew I would feel so fulfilled. I never knew that I could wake up every day like, what are we gonna do today? Who do we get to touch? Who do we get to bless? Who do we get to minister? What do we get to build? it, it, It is a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice. I don't wanna lie to you. It is a sacrifice. There are some difficult days, but overwhelmingly, when you say yes to the Lord, it is joy, it is impact, it is living the best version of you. I am the best version. Mama Africa is the best version of Sherry Lewis, the very best of me. And that's what God wants to do for you. If you decide to say yes, you're not saying yes to a life of suffering. You're saying yes to a life of abundant joy. I have never known lack. It's become a game now. When the account gets down to the bottom, I'm like, ooh, what's he going to do? What surprise is he going to bring? In what way is he going to provide that I didn't see coming? I've never been hungry, as you can tell. I've not been hungry. I've taken better for vacations as Mama Africa than I ever took as Dr. Sherry Lewis. And they've been supernatural, which makes them all the more fun. It, it's more exciting. The, the, how did you pull that off? I was looking at Facebook once and I saw this lady in the flying dress standing on a hill in Santorini with the blue, blue water behind her. And I just breathed. Oh, I'd love to go there. Six months later, miraculously broke as a joke. I was standing on that same hill. I didn't have on a flying dress because we weren't doing all that. But I have a picture that I put on my shelf that I could breathe a prayer It wasn't a need. There was absolutely no need for me. There was no, there was no reason for me to be on that hill in Santorini. But my first name in heaven before it's mama girl, before it's mama Africa is baby girl. Anybody that knows me know that I'm God's favorites. I bless you to be his second favorite, but I am baby girl. And baby girl wanted to stand on a hill in Santorini. So daddy God was like, all right, let me just make that happen. If you sacrifice your life for him, he is going to blow your mind with his goodness. Don't be afraid to say yes. Don't be afraid to say yes. He is good. I release to you a revelation of the goodness of God. I release to you know the heights, the widths, the depths, and the breadths of his love for you. I release you from the fear of giving your life to him. I release you from the fear that religion puts in us. I release you to know that he's a good, good father. I release you. I bless you. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Grant, receive it. I release the spirit of wisdom and revelation to bring to you an understanding of the goodness of God. He's good. He's 
so, so good. He's so loving. He's so kind. He's sweet. He's generous. He wants the best for you. When he tells you what this prophetic identity is, say yes with all your heart because it's going to lead you into goodness, into joy, into happiness, into the best life that you never even dreamed of. And I pray that you get a similar testimony of just like, how, how did I get to Santorini? Oh my goodness. Broke as a joke. Let me tell you, I was broke as a joke. The second way that you can get an understanding of your prophetic identity is in prophetic community. I forgot to ask if this is a prophetic community. Do we prophesy in Ecclesia Hills? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like I said, I have so many prophetic words that I'm processing because I love to teach the prophetic. I love to impart the prophetic. I love to activate people in the prophetic. I have prophetic community everywhere I go. We have a thriving prophetic community in Cameroon, in Kenya, here in Nigeria, in Botswana. I haven't been there in a while. South Africa, Atlanta, everywhere I'm go, I'm like, you must prophesy. And while you're at it, give me a word. And so right now I am stewarding, I have thousands of prophetic words, but right now I'm stewarding a particular set of words. I went through my words and I said, God, show me what you want me to war with right now. And so I have 86 pages. I just added two last night, 88 pages of prophetic words. And then I go through and I process them. That's a whole class. It's a whole course. I process them and then I make prophetic declarations over my life. So when you live in prophetic community and there's always people speaking the word of the Lord, you can discover what your prophetic identity is and your prophetic identity will cause you to manifest your prophetic destiny. I'm going to rush through the rest of this. So clearly define your prophetic identity. Number one, make a complete commitment. I am laying down my life. I am a laid down lover. I give everything that I am to the Lord. I have no agenda of my own, but my life is entirely his. Number two, clearly define your prophetic identity. Find out who you are. Ask that question over and over. When you ask it, God is overjoyed. He wants nothing more than to answer it. When you start asking, all of heaven is going to stand up to say, yes, let's give it to him. So clearly define. Number three, have a plan. Some of us are dreamers, but we have no plan for making it come to pass. That's where all that piddling comes in. We're just messing around doing stuff and not making it happen. Have a plan. Have a very definitive plan. Number four, live by the whispers. I think I have copies of the book here today. I think I have copies of the book here today. Do I have copies of the book here today? Yes, there are copies of the book here today that will teach you how to walk in intimacy with God. God has a purpose for you. It is a hundred times bigger than what you're able to accomplish on your own. If you feel like you know what your prophetic identity is and you feel like, yeah, I can do that, you haven't even scratched the surface. Unless it seems impossible, it's not God. It's a dream of your head. But when when I read through my prophetic notebook, I'm like, whoa, I get overwhelmed. There have been times that I'm like, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. 
to where I have a whole set of prophetic words that says, rest in me. The zeal of the Lord will perform this because there's no way I can accomplish it on my own. And so in order to fulfill your prophetic identity, your prophetic destiny, you must live by the whispers. Everything I do is by a whisper from God. We live in this place of intimacy where I can always get to his voice. I can always hear him. The only time I can't is when it's emotional. Usually when it's about some dude, you know what I'm saying? But most of the time, I can hear his voice. I can hear him clearly. If my emotions are all in order, I can hear very clearly. When I'm all out of whack, I'm like, somebody here for me because I don't know what to do. But learn to hear his voice, not just prophetically, but live in such a place of intimacy with him that he can always whisper, just like it says, this is the way, walk therein. This is the way, walk therein. Where is that? That is Isaiah 30 and 12. There's another scripture, Psalm 32 and 8, where God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Ah, isn't that a good daddy? He's just like, just look in my eyes. Just have this face-to-face intimacy and relationship with me. And I will just be like, over there over there like I want to be so in touch with him that my eyes are so locked on his eyes that he can just clearly and easily communicate to me with just a look of love with those sweet whispers that I hear in my ear and I know exactly what to do Nehemiah 9 and 12 speaks of God's relationship with the Israelites as he's guiding them um, as they're going into the promised land moreover by a pillow of cloud You led them by day and a pillar of fire by night to light the way they should go. Verse 19, but in your great mercy, you did not abandon them to die in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud still led them forward by day and a pillar of fire showed them the way through the night. His presence will go with you. Moses was like, after God got mad and was like, this stiff necked people, I'm done with y'all. I'm gonna send an angel. And Moses was like, no, we are not going without your presence. I'm gonna sit right here. I'm not going anywhere without your presence. That has to be your stance. I'm not going anywhere without the presence of God, without the direction of God, without the leading of God. Everything I do, and I don't mean be spooky deep. You know, I'm, I'm going to eat this or I'm going to eat this or I'm going to wear this. Don't be spooky deep. That's paralysis. Where every, Lord, what shall I wear today? No, don't do that. I mean, you do have a mind of your own, but those big decisions, those big life destiny decisions, or even those little moments. Y'all ever have these moments? Do you know the Holy Ghost this well? Were you about to open your mouth? He's like, don't you say that. Right? Everything that you do, it, uh, uh, Proverbs 3 and 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So live life by the whispers, live intimately with God. Now I'm gonna mess with y'all for a second. The next thing is clear your heart and soul of all distractions. Why was I piddling? Was it cause I don't like social media? Is that really it? Cause you can pay somebody to do social media, which I have now done. I have now hired a company to plaster my face on Instagram every single day. Unfortunately, they came back and said, we need you to shoot some reels. I'm like, ah, but you can hire somebody. I can hire somebody, right? Was it really that I don't like social media or was it fear? 
What are the things inside of you? Your biggest enemy is not the devil. Can I tell you that? He does his little things, but the biggest enemy is the stuff inside of you. Fear, doubt, low self-worth, thinking of yourself lower than you ought. I know the Bible says we shouldn't think more highly, but many of us don't have that danger. We think of ourselves more lowly than we ought. God says, you're going to be this. And you're like, who, me? Just like Gideon. Just like Moses. You know that argument between Moses and God? God comes to tell Moses, this is your prophetic identity. And Moses gave him all the excuses in the world. And finally he says, Lord, please send somebody else. And it was at that moment that the anger of the Lord was kindled. Up until then, God was patient. He was like, all right, we're going to work through this. We can work this. I'll do this. Aaron can talk for you. But then he just was like, I'm not going to be able to do that. And God got angry. There are so many things inside of us, fear, self-doubt, so many things that would keep us. And you got you to gotta do what you got to do to get those things out of you. There's inner healing. There's this sozo where, where somebody sits down with you and, they, and the Holy Spirit just goes through your soul and be like, mm-mm, that's got to go. You can do it through a place of intimacy. As I'm rising up to this next level of apostolic calling, there's things that God is taking his finger and he's saying, that right there, that can't go with you. I have had a lifelong battle with the spirit of fear. People don't think that. They think it's courageous to sell everything and to move to Africa and to be on your third country and to, to do everything that I do. No, I do it in fear and trembling, honestly. We are working to overcome it now, and God has some amazing ways that he is helping me to triumph and overcome. But you have to go into your soul and say, what in me could stop me? God has this great destiny inside of me. God is all powerful. He has got every resource in heaven and earth. There's nothing that we can't do unless there's something in you that's just holding you back. There's sometimes that I prophesy to people and I literally see chains around their ankles holding them to the ground. I see wings on their back and they're supposed to fly and soar into their destiny, but these chains are keeping them from. What are the chains around your ankles that would keep you from soaring into your destiny? And are you willing to do whatever it takes? I have people that actually say, I don't want to do a sozo. I don't want to cry. I don't want to hurt. I don't want to relive it. All right. Well, you keep walking around broken then for the rest of your life. That's your choice. Two hours of crying or the rest of your life broken. That's kind of foolish if you ask me. Do whatever you have to do to get completely healed. Clear your life of distractions, both internal and external distractions. What things are you doing? So I was busy doing a lot of things, but I wasn't busy doing the thing that God told me to do. Get in front of a camera and put some stuff out there. Finish writing this book that's been in your computer for four years. Do the things. I was traveling, ministering Kenya, Cameroon. I've been all over the place, preaching, doing all sorts of stuff. But God looked at my face, was like, that's good, but that's not God. How many of you are doing things that are good? They're amazing. They're productive. They might be bringing in finances, but they are not what he said to do. And then finally, set up accountability partners. There should be somebody that can poke you and say, hey, what you doing? What's going on? You're not arising to the place that you're supposed to be. Amen.
God in his infinite goodness has a plan for our lives and that plan is going to change the earth. That plan is going to establish his kingdom on planet earth. Do everything that you can do. Spend time with the Lord and find out who am I? I'm about to close. I want everyone to close your eyes. We're going to start the process right now. Just put your hand on your chest for me. And I want you to say, Father God, who am I? For what purpose was I born? What did you put me here to do? In what way am I supposed to establish your kingdom on planet Earth? Father God, would you show me the internal obstacles that would keep me from reaching destiny? Would you show me where I'm afraid? Would you show me where I'm distracted? Would you show me where I'm thinking too lowly of myself? Father God, would you show me your plan for me overcoming these obstacles? Father God, I thank you that you bring in destiny helpers, destiny coaches, destiny partners. God, you are my help. And more than anything, God, give me a revelation of your love. Make me to know the heights, the wits, the depths, and the breadths of your love for me so that I would have the confidence to soar into this beautiful destiny that you have for me. I bless you with a mother's blessing. I bless you with an apostolic blessing. I bless you with a season of discovery. I bless you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know exactly who you are. I bless you to see yourself as heaven sees you. I bless you to clear out everything that would block you. I bless you with a radiant, radiant revelation of Jesus the Christ, your King. And I bless you with a radiant revelation of Father God, and I bless you with a radiant revelation of you. I bless you to look in heaven's mirror and to see yourself as heaven sees you. I bless you to know your name that is written for you in heaven. And I bless you to live a life of purpose, to live out the fullness of your prophetic identity, to manifest your prophetic destiny. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 